Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Sunday. Good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome back to the program. We are live from Blast Off Productions here in New York City. And you are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate at this hour. New York's urban landscape is constantly changing with thousands of new buildings popping up throughout the city at a rapid pace. But in order to make space for those shiny new projects, old structures must sometimes come down. And sometimes historically significant buildings are lost in the pursuit of the new. This is always controversial and we will discuss why. Also at this hour, if you live in a 120-unit pre-war co-op building on the Upper West Side or in any other neighborhood for that matter with a roof deck, Chaired by all residents, you discover that someone has a very large basil plant, which has been there for years. You decide to help yourself to the herb. herb. Uh, is that allowed? The question is, that is so controversial. We're going to talk about that. We won't even the talk herb. about it. Well, help yourself to the herb. You are. <laughs> what kind of herb are, are they we talking last about anyway? Tomatoes. I was going to say tomatoes. Tomato oh, plants. Okay. You can't help yourself right. to tomato wait, plants. Wait, tomato tomatoes. plants or it's basil. all very controversial, so let's get at it. But first, I'd like to welcome my listeners in the United States and around the world. I'm Vince Rocco, and you're listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate. In the news this morning, the latest update for 118 East 59th Street was back in July of 2015 when SCDA Architects Design Tower launched its promotional website and renderings. Now, the Midtown East site has been cleared of the previous buildings that once stood and is partially excavated is, is a partially excavated open pit. Permits were filed for the 470-foot, 38-story residential tower back in September of 14. SLC Architects is the architect of record while, while SCDA is designing both the exterior and the interiors of the 29-story residential uh, units that are expected to span about 2,400 square feet each. The developer of the project is Hong Kong-based Euro Properties. However, given the site's current condition three years after groundbreaking was anticipated, current plans may be scrapped and the project canceled due to the current sales marketplace. Uh, Maclow Properties' newest residential tower at 200 East 59th Street stands 35 stories above Midtown East. Its entirety is now nearing completion as work begins to wrap on the lower floors. While advertising may produce, uh, or promise rather, elephants, giraffes, and other live animals for prospective residents of the 67 condominiums, reality provides a bold white facade with nearly st- neatly stacked and slightly protruding wraparound balconies. The building was designed by uh, Centra Ruddy Architecture and rises to a total height of 490 feet from the retail base. Prices start at $2 million for one bedrooms and range up to $15.7 million for the three-bedroom penthouse. New Yorkers might not know the origins of Brooklyn Heights fruit, fruit trees. I loved this story. Cranberry, orange, and pineapple streets in Brooklyn Heights all tucked into this compact historic brownstone neighborhood. How do the uh, Brooklyn Heights fruit trees get these names, being miles away from any uh, orange orchards or pineapple fields? Well, according to one story, a little old lady in tennis shoes is responsible for them. A century and a half before little old ladies wore tennis shoes, okay? Ooh, she was ah, a okay. local... <laughs> Kicky <laughs> lady. Want to hear this? <laughs> I laughed out loud when I was reading this story. She was a local resident whose name is given... Uh, is uh, Miss Mada, which is also another name of a street right there, and she um, resented her aristocratic neighbors, tore down the street signs bearing the names of the offending families, and hastily installed signs bearing the names of her 
favorite fruit trees, pineapple, orange, cranberry, scandalous. and willow. Very scandalous. While Brooklyn city authorities restored the original street names, Miss Madas struck again and changed them <laughs> back. Changed them back. Okay. The tug of war eventually resolved now. itself in the ladies' favor because the streets Don't still mess with a little old lady in tennis shoes. In tennis shoes. There you go. Wow. I steer clear. If I see one walking on the, on the sidewalk, I cross the street. <laughs> you might get hit by a pineapple. That's, right. pineapple. That's amazing. And we won't even talk about the bird streets in Los Angeles. That's a topic for another story because I wonder how they got <laughs> their name, that. right? Condo mm. sales in Long Island Island City are suddenly soaring thanks to Amazon.com's decision to open a headquarters in the Queens, New York neighborhood. One local brokerage firm reported it sold nearly 150 units over four days last week, about 15 times its usual volume. Joining the rush were at least three Amazon employees who currently uh, bought homes in Long Island City. According to real estate brokers, two of them signed contracts at the gallery, a new 11-story uh, condo building with a pool and interior courtyard. The two employees decided to buy the units just before the first press uh, report surfaced last week that Amazon was likely to choose Long Island City for its new um, headquarters. But what's Mm -hmm. really interesting, Mm -hmm. though, aside from that, is that when they first made this announcement, they said that they were bringing 25,000 jobs to LIC, Long Island City. In fact, after fact-checking, fact-checking, they're only going to be bringing 12,500 jobs. Only. Only. Half. So I mean, it's not. Why is that? Because the other twelve thousand five hundred positions exist already. already people are already local. But the Correct. median, the median uh, income for those employees is like one hundred and fifty grand. So there's going to be some heavy hitters. Wow, is that right? Median one hundred and fifty. And the gallery development that you talked about, Vince. I was there yeah. the the two weekends yeah. ago. They had pulled all their one bedrooms and studios off the market for repricing, which means jacking those prices. Oh, wow. <laughs> you could still buy the two or three bedrooms, should you so desire, but the very highly oh. desirable for investors went in But in isn't studios. that something in a market such as this that they would pull and reprice? North, obviously, certainly mm-hmm. not south. We're back to having to pay transfer taxes for any buyers. I, I've been working pretty heavily in Long Island City the last two weeks. I mentioned so it last week. So not many concessions, then, you're saying? Very little, if you can get them. Yeah. Wow. All right. Um, with me today on our panel, our esteemed panelists, Matt Martin from Halstead, Anna Shagalaw from Halstead, Matthew Cohen from CORE, makes his triumphant return. Hey, Aww. Matty, you missed me. Me too. Same with Matt Martin. <laughs> Come on, give both the Matt. Give us the Matt. <laughs> okay, yes. that's fine. Sitting next to each other, so cute. Sean McPeak, also from Halstead. Avi Alcatzer joining us today from Corcoran. Tracy Hammersley from Douglas Element. And Niall Lundgren from Compass. So mm. good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning. morning. All right, so that's good, that's good news for LIC. <laughs> I mean, that that's great news to see that not only are they selling rapidly, but they're increasing prices. That's always a, a pretty decent thing to uh, to know is happening. On the flip side of all of that, let's talk about old <laughs> versus new, which is one of my favorite topics on this uh, program. Uh, new York's urban landscape is constantly changing with thousands of new buildings popping up throughout the city at a rapid pace. But in order to make space for those shiny new projects, old structures must sometimes Come down. And sometimes, historically, significant buildings are lost in the pursuit of the new. You know how I feel about all of these, you know, older, you know, buildings, especially on avenues, being thrown down. All the mom and pop stores going away and all these wonderful glass high-rise towers, you know, taking over. So, the Landmarks Preservation Commission is tasked with determining which New York City buildings and, in rarer cases, outdoor areas, because that that's also landmark, are worth the protection. The Greenwich Village Society for Historic Preservation also keeps tabs on the structures that are endangered, and the buildings on this list face an uncertain future, and in a few cases, almost certain destruction. Each stands as a clear reminder of some aspect of the city's past, which again, I'm always passionate about, but also as an uh, obstacle to builders of its future. 
Enjoy them while you can because tomorrow they may not be there. So what is the thought among all of my esteemed colleagues here when it comes to some of these older landmark buildings that ultimately we understand have to come down? But I keep saying, why? A lot of them just aren't structurally sound any longer. Um, I know in our neighborhood where Nyla and I live, not together, um, <laughs> oh, a couple blocks away, but, but around the corner. Oh, yeah. um, no, there's there are a lot of buildings Absolutely. that are really beautiful, but they're they've just been treated so poorly over the years that they have to be taken down. And it's not even that it's been treated poorly; it's just some of them have been around for two hundred years. Right, but they've just not been kept up. At yeah, all. yeah, yeah, exactly. But like when you have uh, buildings that have been around for that long, there could be buckling or you know uh, in the floors, yeah. the the facades. Or if something comes up, out. or something comes up down the block, it rattles the the foundation. So then you know, or so a fire in a synagogue. Like general wear and like tear that. on long. Yeah. You know, so I'm going to use building. Matthew Cohen's line. Okay, so playing <laughs> devil's advocate. So isn't that what the Landmarks Preservation Commission is all about, to help restore these infrastructures? Well, Lower East Side's been neglected in well, that regard. Well, it, it has, and, and at one point so was the, the, uh, the village, the, the Central and West Village. But, I mean, at some point we can't be taking all of these buildings down, right? I mean, it's kind of like not good. But I don't think it's only the Lower East Side. I mean, if you look at a lot of other areas like Harlem, there's, you know, the yeah, massive yeah, history, um, parts of the Upper West Side. It really kills me when I see buildings like I, I just read that a temple, a synagogue on the Upper uh, West Side is being turned into condos. I don't like when churches and temples are brought into this place to worship. Right. I, you know, I, I have a weird Why? view. Why is that, Matt? Well, I just, I lived in Europe for a few years. You know, a lot of my clients are in finance. And so they live, you know, either here, London or Hong Kong, places of the sort. And people love London because it kept the best parts of both. You know, they build new buildings like the Shard, but they keep all of their places of worship and things that have historic value. So you can have that that diversity. Um, But I I think that New York actually does a good job of this. Uh, You know, everyone always talks about like, oh, there's too many modern buildings and everything's going to be glass. I I actually think that if you really look around, there's a good diversity of it all. You know, yes, you have a few glass buildings in Midtown on 57th, but, you know, on the Upper East and Upper West Side, you still have a ton of Emory Roth buildings. You still have Central Park West and Central Park South and, you know, Fifth Avenue. And in the Lower East Side, you still have, you know, the tenement buildings. And, and in Tribeca and Soho, they try and really restore buildings and not break them down and build new ones. They actually convert them and have great cast iron buildings. So I think the building, to, the city does a good job in my you're opinion. talking about When you're talking about Central Park West and Fifth Avenue buildings, those are monstrous sizes. Yes. Those are buildings that are, have not been overlooked. We're talking, or at least I, I'm, I think we're talking about smaller buildings that yeah. have, that have history. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Sunshine Cinema. Is yeah, like yeah. It, that's like a classic right. example oh, of yeah. something that was like really forefront, mm-hmm. has a huge history, and not it, it wasn't years ago. It was like a year ago that people were still going there and, and going to the movies, mm-hmm. and now it's going to be an office building. Well, on Orchard Street, we, we had a guest on last week talking about the Blue Moon Hotel, right, right. smack in the middle uh, of Orchard yeah. Street, mm-hmm. and that was a, a building from the early 1800s that he took. That. Oh, it's amazing! Yeah. But he took and restored it, and it's still you know in magnificent <laughs> you know. I guess, original uh, look and feel and, and show. And, and I got to tell you something. See, that that's what I say. So That's the beauty of it. Is when you could take the old and then and then restore exactly. it to the fan. new and, and modernize it. I think they should it. take yes. parts of the, the building of and, and repurpose the, you know, the materials. Right. It's so sad that all these towers that are going up, like no mm. one's going to want to re- 
preserve 157. I will say there, you know, no the offense. synagogue that burnt down on Norfolk street, um, there was a yes. fire. It was like two mother's days ago. Um, it was a lovely way to wrap up my mother's day, but, um, they have been trying to, um, trying to hold on to as much of what's left of it. It turns out they probably can't, but you know, it's been a couple of years now that they've been trying to really kind of keep as much of it as, as they can and just build the condo around it. But that's I nice. was thinking that's of respectful. I was also thinking of like smaller buildings like brownstones throughout the city. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, like in Harlem, the, you you walk around and you see some of the most beautiful brownstones, but then you see mo- some of the most decrepit brownstones. Like right. I think there has to be a way that the city can figure well, out a lo- like a local law type for a brownstone well, that doesn't cover it. Yeah. Years ago in Harlem, you were not allowed to throw the structure down. So, you know, we all know because we've either sold them or, or been through them. They're shells for the most part, but the facade on the outside has to stay for landmarks reason. Right. So you can rebuild the inside, whatever you want to do, modern, not modern, original, but the outside stays the same. We've got to take a break. Uh, we'll leave it there. Good morning, New York. We This is Good Morning, New York on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We will be right back after these messages, so don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters. Performing at the top of their game, each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. <laughs> All right, everybody, we are back. We're talking about landmarks, and we're talking about old buildings versus new. And I just wanted to mention that I was on my way to the gym yesterday um, after work, and I was away all weekend, so I didn't know. But apparently there was a gas explosion in my gym, and I walked up to the thing, and a cop said, where are you going, fella? And I said, I'm going to work out. <laughs> going, fella. Think again, so fella. He pointed, and he said, <laughs> He's well, trying to pick you see up. what this place looked like? Uh, and I said, no. And I raised my head. I looked up, and I, start, I just laughed out Aww. loud. I said, oh, maybe they started renovating. What do I know? <laughs> he said, no, there was a gas explosion yesterday. I said, oops, okay. Now, the reason I bring that up is because this is in 
a converted but old, very old, probably, I'd say early 1900s building on Broadway and 92nd Street. And, of course, the inside was renovated to, to accommodate a gym. But the outside really is the older structure, and it's magnificent. And I know Equinox downtown in Soho and a lot of their locations um, are the same. So, you know, so I don't know what the result of this is going to be <laughs> if they have to really blow up the whole place and start again because it looked like serious damage in there. But I would hate to see that facade go away. And that's the whole point of, of you know, why do we need to do these things? You wanted to say something, Tracy? I just wanted to, Matt's point, uh, one of Matt's many points about <laughs> the uh, the churches and the synagogues. I know I do have some buyers who just feel a little funny for one reason or another, whatever their religious background or affiliation might be. I personally, I love it. I think if it's done right, it's so much character. It's the opposite of cookie cutter. There's the Abbey and Gramercy on 16th Street, which not everyone loves, and some of the apartments are mm-hmm. a little cut up a little bit crazy. Mm-mm-mm. But with the soaring high ceilings and they know. have maintained some of the original church windows, I think it is so stunning and special. I mean, you know, people redo it to old firehouses, too. I think it's a really unique way of preserving the culture. And if there's not a need for the church or the synagogue, I would rather see that than an office building. I think, I think Sunshine Cinemas as condos, if that could work out, if they could punch out windows or something, that would be a nicer well, I think, way I to think do it. Well, I think windows then. is the operative word here because I think a lot of people are so stuck now on the, the, the big glass towers and the floor yep. ceiling windows, which right. I, you can keep. I had no interest in. But... When you buy one. these older, but when you buy these older, you know, buildings, the windows are typically smaller. So unless you're making them bigger, which in some cases you can, in some cases you can't, that's really what kind of keeps people with the thinking, oh, just throw the building down. Who cares? The windows are not attractive anyway. So, well, two years ago, our good friend Ari Harkov, um, he and I seem to always compete with each other for <laughs> listings and whatnot. And uh, we both are very close to the developer who converted a church in the East Village on um, 8th or 9th. And we both uh, were talking to him before Ari got it and sold it. Um, but that was a tough sell, even though it was very beautiful, because it's people can take projects like that the wrong way. I, it's not that I think it's... Um, it's ugly or or offensive. It's not that. I just I think that you know places of worship shouldn't be used as places of residence. I think that they should be whether they're not being used at all. It should be somewhere to go and visit. Or it's if it's being used, it should be something somewhere to go and visit. Well, you know, and I felt like they're throwing down an old church right. from the oh. 1800s and they're building a glass tower <laughs> yeah, I, on I, I, See, that's a shame, Vince. That's a crime. That's a travesty. I agree with it if it's architecturally. I mean, I agree with Maddie if it's architecturally significant. But there's a lot of places that are kind of running the mill. Okay. Agreed. Cathedral. No, right. it's, it's, it's <laughs> not. If you, got that, if you got that project, Maddie, would you would you be like, nah, I don't want to uh, yeah, sell I don't it? Wanna, I don't want that. It was a big topic of conversation in my in my Jewish family. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question now, because the answer to that would be no. I'll get it. Exactly. There are some developers that are building more pre-war style, like Stern. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a build a rental That's building up on eighty first Street on the west, upper west side that is being built to look like um a pre war oh, building yeah, and yeah. it's a new rental building. Yeah. Oh, but it, looks, I love but that. it looks like I love it sits there yep. and has been there for a while. That's okay. Moving on. <laughs> if you live in a hundred and twenty <laughs> unit pre war building <laughs> let's just say pre wait, it could be any any type of any building, building on the upper west side or anywhere with a roof deck shared by all residents. Now, this always gets a little touchy. You discover that someone has a very large basil plant. Now, we're talking about the herb that you put in food, okay, <laughs> mm-hmm. basil plant, which has been there for years, but now has a sign on it saying, <laughs> do not cut the basil and take it away. It belongs to, and the person's name, with the apartment number no, listed no, on no. it. If the roof, so, so here's, the, here's the question. If the rooftop or space is shared, 
shouldn't that basil plant be shared also? Yes. Shouldn't you have access to pulling the leaves off and taking them home and making you your sauce? Basil put plant at home. Yeah, put yeah exactly. Put it in sill. your window yeah. if you want to. Keep it to yourself. But But if someone's gone to all that trouble and is making a sign, if they're really that uptight about it, I don't want to tick them off. Are you kidding? I'm going to take more basil (laughs) then. If they're that particular, then they should bring it indoors. Exactly. I've grown plenty of basil in my windows. they don't have a window box or any place that they can from their little teeny tiny And they shouldn't be growing a basil plant. Exactly. They go buy it at the supermarket. We can say the same thing about tomatoes, right? Tomatoes take a long time to grow. They stay green for a long time. So when they get orange... It's time to pick. And if I go up there and someone has taken my tomatoes, I'm going to be a little pissed off. You agree them for But it's reason, not your personal right? space. Well, that's all right. Here, here's, here's, no, no, no. But here's, it's yours yeah, to use in a communal manner. In a now, communal you should manner, share. Exactly. You should share. But yeah. if you choose to be miserly you, and not share, you should, you then should have, you have to make spaghetti that, for everybody in the building. Uh, <laughs> well, that'll do. But here's the thing. But, but, but the real question is is this allowed by the, the house rules, by the, the, the co op board rules or the condo board rules? Whether we individually want to share or not is another story. But is this really The co-op allowed? has 120 units, right? This one has 120 units, correct. So is there a room for 120 plants up there? Probably not. But does I that mean you can't leave the, the confines of your where your plant is? Like that's your little area yeah, and no, that's all you get access to? It's totally I allowed. I on my kitchen counter. I mean, it's so easy to do. Yeah, I, I mean, I grew, my I, grew tomato, all the time. I grew a tomato plant on my windowsill. But technically, that's allowed. I mean, common areas are common to the shareholders. Like, right. you can't, you know, do whatever you want, but pretty close to it. It's it's kind of like, um, it's going to be a weird uh, thing to relate it to, but it's kind of like if you put something in an office fridge and you put your name on it, and it, dis- and, oh, no, and it disappears. That is, that is, so it's, it's technically at Halstead all the time, right? Like that's, like that's like I always think it's funny. I always used to think it was funny when people take. either did that or took other people's because that is a common thing, like common fridge, common well, area. Well, it's a common fridge, so, but don't touch my sandwich. Like, I used to I work with someone that put on their, I it. spit in it to keep oh people I spit in it. Anna would do that. Tracy didn't actually spit in it. No, they wrote that they spit in it. I think Anna would do it. It wasn't me. They wrote that they had spit I don't even go in the fridge. No, it's it, 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 no, here's, here's what here's what the ruling says. The ruling yeah, oh, there was a ruling. Yes, oh. there was a ruling. I would take the basil. At least in this particular building, <laughs> I totally it's would. common shared space. You can put 120 basil plants or tomato plants or whatever you want to put up there. Legal. However, no one is allowed to pick the li- the basil leaves unless it's yours. That's the that's or, the that's rule? the ruling what? in that building. I, I agree with that don't take stuff that doesn't fair. belong to you. How hard yeah. is it? Now, that's not a universal around the city could, code, but that's in that some. particular I mean, I, building. The ruling said if Anna has a plant up on the roof, it's got her name on it, her apartment it's, number it's on it. It's dead anyway. Just take no. it. <laughs> <laughs> no green <laughs> thumb, huh? Mine would be dead, too, because if I had to go upstairs to the rooftop to water something. It's all day, yours, that is not happening. But that's the ruling, okay? You can't touch somebody's basil plant. How can Period. you enforce it? I Cameras, really security you cameras. Can. You really oh. yeah. They're going to spend well, time on that? Cameras will do that, but you really can't enforce it. It's just the rule of being the wild, wild west. I think to Sean's point, it's like, the wild, you know, wild west, it, absolutely how, sure. how difficult is it to just not touch it and just be respectful? And, but also, and, and a rule is a rule for yeah. sure. Rule but I mean, friends, we're all kind of living. Owner, and then yeah, they will invite living. you to partake of their basil. Listen, we're living amongst each other. Let's just be 
Right, cool but then what stops that person on. from putting a tomato plant, a basil well, plant, then, a whole mini then garden? Gets, like, then it gets excessive and you have a, a board meeting about it. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just say how entertaining co-ops are? Like, this is really entertaining. How entertaining we are. Well, I feel a Coen Brothers movie coming on about this. The plants that never did. The Matt Coen Brothers? Exactly. This is on the agenda. This is topic. Hot topic. Basil plant. At a co-op meeting. But they got nothing else to talk about, right? They got to keep themselves busy. Right. Gotta love co-op. So we all sell them. Anyway, moving on. About a decade ago, <laughs> a rent-stabilized Upper West Side or East Side, we keep saying Upper West, building no, converted to condominiums. Okay, so basically from the 80s and 90s, whatever, all these buildings are rental. They converted to, to either co-op or condos, mostly, mostly co-op. Some tenants bought their apartments and others kept their rent-stabilized leases. I mean, that that's all over the city in every building. Some of the residents who rent also, this is where it gets sticky, and we have it in my building. Some of the residents who rent own their homes and play own other homes rather in places like Miami, the Dominican Republic, Columbia, upstate New York, East End, uh, the Hamptons. They pay shockingly low rent for their rent stabilized unit, twelve hundred dollars, for example, for a three bedroom apartment, and don't have to pay the assessments or capital improvements that other owners pay. Now that 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 three bedroom apartment in a in a in a uh, what do you call it market free market place anywhere else would be. Six or seven thousand dollars, right? They're they're grandfathered at twelve hundred. It seems to me that they are getting subsidized rent when they could afford to pay market rate. Should these apartments be reserved for people only for people who really need them? For example, you know the elderly. And is this legal? Now, before we answer the question, just to just to make people understand out there in the listening audience, to keep a rent stabilized apartment, you must live in that apartment one hundred and eighty three days out of the full year. Uh, and pay your rent on time. Beyond that, you are free to do whatever you want with your money or the the other six months of the year that you're not in that apartment. So what's the controversy with these low rents and owning homes elsewhere? I don't I don't think it needs to be a controversy. I um it is. it's I've always called it gold, you know, rent stabilized apartments and rent controlled apartments. It's gold. It's like finding gold and and you know, it's very hard to find it. It's also usually grandfathered in in a family. Um one of my friend's grandma is um being moved and he was offered the apartment and you know, so it's just luck. It's really just like and you know what I'm going to I'm going to make a really really controversial statement but you know they have all about controversy today. They have old people's homes in New York City that are not that are actually very reasonable. Like like there's one on 112th in Amsterdam and there's one right next to the Schwab house on the Upper West Side. I would live there. <laughs> but they they restrict ages apparently. So I heard the pudding is great. Like I'm so down. I'm McPeak's adult home on Long Island. I'll get you guys a couple of bets. <laughs> Look, it's always a controversial subject. It's always you know when stabilized, when control, even mm-hmm. worse, uh, free market. You have rental buildings all over Manhattan that have all three: rent control, rent stabilized, and uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, f- uh, free market. So the rents run, you know, run the gamut. But that's like Matt said, that's just it's luck. I mean, if you had it earlier on, that's just the way it is. However, people get all jazzed about it because if they're paying half your rent and then they on Friday they're packing up their car to go to East Hampton, it's kind of like, who are you? I think yeah. the I think uh, some of the stabilized um, and some of the incentivized apartments should go to like people graduating college and starting out their lives that are like well, finding it impossible I, to move into this city. I don't know that New York City is ever going to come up with with. Rental rules that are fair enough for the elderly, the youngs just starting right. out, the in the middle of the road, the wealthy. I mean, it's it's just one of these things that 
I guess, hard to manage, but it is what it is. Anyway, I think got it. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think one of the other controversies about it is, you know, when a building decides to go co-op or condo, all the rent-stabilized tenants sometimes have options if they want to buy in or if they want to just keep their rent-stabilization. Like, that's that's a major thing. How do you choose in that situation? I almost feel like it's like choosing between children. It's very, it's very tough. Well, I can only choose between Jet. That's all that matters. <laughs> we are live from Blast Off Productions here in New York City. This is Good Morning New York. We will continue on the other side of the break. Don't go away. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back with the panel. We have Matt Martin from Halstead, Anna Shagalov from Halstead, Matthew Cohen from CORE, Sean McPeak, Halstead, Avi Alcatzer, Corcoran, Tracy Hammersley from Douglas Element, and Niall Lundgren from Compass. All right, so today's ultra-luxury market is more diverse in age and location. In 2005, new ultra-luxury developments were concentrated in the Upper West Side, Upper East Side, and Midtown West, so the first developments that really hit this town back in those days, those three neighborhoods only, especially along the southern border of Central Park, uh, Park Avenue and Fifth Avenue. Since then, new developments accounted for 7.7% of ultra-luxury buildings in in 2017 compared to 3.1% in 2005. And the growth has been concentrated now in lower Manhattan, the Lower East Side, especially 
uh, areas like Tribeca, West Village, Nolita, and Noho. So we go from Upper East, Upper West, Midtown West, not even Midtown East, back in the, the or mid-2000s when I started selling a new development. Why the change in location? So in other words, we're still developing Uptown, but more of it is concentrated downtown. Is there a specific reason why that has happened over the last uh, four years, five years? Opportunity. And, you know, and in the last eight years, the downtown market has been booming. So why, you know, developers obviously want to go where things are transacting at very high price per square foot. And sorry. As you say, buying the land an opportunity. Buying the land is at a higher price point. Knocking down older buildings. So then you find the opportunity, you're still buying it at a higher price point. You got to make the product to sell it at a higher price point. Have you seen one Manhattan Square? I mean, it's on South Street. It is spectacular. It really is Honestly, spectacular. Honestly, it, it, it is. It's changed the skyline of the Lower East Side. It really is. But if sure. you, the amenities are mm-hmm. the same. It's 100,000 square The quality, feet of I mean, yeah. it's an Xtel, so it's going to be it's going to be nicely done. The the finishes, the the design, I mean, it's it's really it's spectacular. People yeah. need to get their head over the fact that it's changed the skyline. It, it, and, well, and that that that's always the controversy. Always, Here yeah. we go again. Even you know, Central Park South. What is the what is the controversy with all billionaires row? It's it, it's bringing so much shade to Central Park, right? When you literal and but when you're sitting in Central Park trying to get the sun, right? It's like, oh, look, look at that building right in the middle of the way here. I wait 20 minutes. You know? It's also chips. Yeah. Yeah. The sun always so, they're so narrow. People also forget that you know, not only has financing rates been so low for the last six, seven years for buyers, but also for developers. I mean, yep. the financing for these projects—they were able to do it on you know a dime, as opposed to really getting their whole body into it. They were able to like get, dip their foot in for a while. Not so much anymore, but you know, for like 2010, 2015, that was a great thing. And so, Extel bought up as much as they could. Um, yeah, let, let's let's talk a bit a minute about the demographics. So again, when when new development really came to the to the fold, all right, Uptown East, Uptown West, then it sort of moved to Midtown West. I got involved in Midtown West in 2006, maybe, uh, and we started. The demographic got younger, so the younger people were buying the studios, one beds and smaller two beds. So what is the demographic now of the the people who are sort of creating this whole, you know, demand for new development type buildings downtown? Are they younger people? Are they millennials? Are they older established, you know, uh, people who have worked and made money through the years? Is there a, a demographic difference or is there not? I, I think there's I think a lot of Yes, time. absolutely. There's a lot there of, is. there's a lot yeah, yeah there's absolutely. a lot of uh, young families moving in and people who have just kind of gone promoted that are like really you know, there's, there's a little, there's definitely a mix of people, but I'd say, I'd say young families, especially in like Tribeca. All right. So here's a question when it comes to new development stuff downtown. Okay. So what, what are parents thinking as far as schools are concerned? Because schools are always the, the driving force as to a neighborhood or where I'm buying a, an apartment because like my kids have to go to school. So what is the driving force to some of these places? You know, downtown Chelsea, uh, Lower East Side, where are the schools or are there schools that are good enough to um, send their kids to school. Now, there are spectacular public schools in those in all of those areas. Okay, really especially Tribeca West Village. Yeah, but the East Village, the- East Village Community School, Children's Workshop, Neighborhood School. These are incredible schools. I, I mine go to East to EVCS, East Village Community. 
Um, I have a lot of friends whose kids go to the other schools. They're, they, everyone's obsessed with their school. And there's then there's also... Uh, there's a neighborhood that nobody uh, uh, points out, Financial District in Battery Park City. There are two good schools the there. School? The Pike yeah, there is, that's yeah. an amazing So, school. you know, really there's cool. a lot of families, young families that go there and it's the best bang for the buck. Now, in Financial District, there's not a lot of new build, but there's a lot of... Uh, conversions. Conversions. So absolutely. how is that going? Is that still moving? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, the best bang for the buck. So yeah. if people are looking for a large space for... You know, it's so interesting, and I think Avi and I used to Josh about this for for many years, but I mean, I used to work in the financial district, and every time I would leave my office on Wall Street and walk around after hours, it was a ghost town, right? Five o'clock, four o'clock, the market closed, everybody, you couldn't get a grocery store, we'd want to go for Mm -hmm. happy hour, we'd have to walk miles to find Stone Street street became Stone Street after I left there. God damn, I can't even (laughs) believe that. So you know I mean the pier, Pier 17. Um, well, the pier. Right, the, the, South Street Seaport. South well, Street is um, amazing. Place, Westfield, Westfield. Westfield. It's amazing. Well, that's Absolutely. all because the, the development in the financial district brought so many residents right. down there. Right. Again, when I was down there, all these buildings that now house people living were all office buildings. Right. So there right. was a whole right. thing. I'm and I'm not talking I'm long ago. A, we're talking 20 years ago. I'm seeing a huge draw to Avenue School in Chelsea. We're actually selling. Avenue is amazing. Uh, yeah. We're about to list yeah. an $8 million yeah. townhouse in Upper West Side because... Um, the family wants to be closer to Avenue School in Chelsea. So Chelsea. When, when you're have, dealing with private school people, they commute. Oh, yeah? but, the, but then also, to the points you were making before, Financial District has a lot of history. That's what's so great about it. Like, it is, Correct. I don't love it's it. Very it's very dark, but like, it's, I mean, I have a, I have a listing down there that has a contract out. And every, the other day when I showed it, I was like, oh, I need to get my friend a birthday that, present. And there was, yeah. well, wait, exactly. there was like, there's no mez right there. I mean, no, there's, it's a lot yeah, going on down there. Yeah, there's, yeah, a, yeah. you know, 130 William is breaking beautiful. records. And, um, and that's the point. So it shows developers if you do it right. It'll go. And there's there was well, a fact the other day that um, around 4,000 units are being brought to FIDI in the next two years. Well, listen, let's talk That's about insane. transportation. I don't think there's a better and every store correct. in the city, well, it's, it's a destination in itself now. I mean, you can walk from Fulton Street to the Oculus to Brookfield Place, all yep, underground. All underground, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, and we true. certainly can't forget also, Century 21. I lived there. Uh, Century 21. I lived there 18 years ago, and you know, it definitely has come around. I don't. It's it's not a 24 seven neighborhood yet, but how I like did to I not say bump into it, you on the street 18 years ago. How did ago, we not? I don't know. I, know. I was working down there. I, I like to say <laughs> that now it's a 196 neighborhood, so it's getting there. It's not quite 24 seven, but give us some time. They all borrow that. Tracyism. Yes. Tracyism. I'm gonna write that. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, Sunday's pretty dead down there. <laughs> yeah. So wait, wait, wait. You want Soho? I'm walking outside my office at seven, eight o'clock. It's dead too. Chebecca, it's during dead home, too. Yeah. So during what do you expect? Parties the in the streets. I mean, yeah. 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 if you look at Soho, Soho doesn't have a ton of amenities. Like no, to, no. To, to get a All slice of pizza. I mean, uh, you have I mean, to go to Spring Street. Soho is dead. Yeah. I mean, worth it though. Yeah. Where is um, Ed's Lobster House? I love that place. Is that Soho or is that kind of like in the middle? A Luke's Lobster. Yeah, Luke's no, Lobster. No, Ed's, 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 Ed's Lobster House. It's we'll right. It's on, there's a Luke's Street. Lobster on my block. So if you yeah, want that instead. It's delicious. Wait, Laskina? No, no, no. It's still there. Yeah, Laskina's there. I love Laskina. Balthazar. Mexican Radio. Grand Soho. Karaoke. There's a little bit of lifestyle at night. All right. Anyway, the total value of all sales listings for October 2018, get this, reached $44 billion, $549,563, blah, blah, reflecting the stunning (laughs) 
a stunning growth in inventory this year, especially in Manhattan, okay? So the latest Street Easy Market Report found that nearly 5,000 new homes were listed in Manhattan in the third quarter alone. At the same time, homes in Manhattan lingered on the market for a median of uh, 96 days, the longest period since 2012. All of that inventory sitting on the market has pushed up the total value of all sales by more than $5 billion since August, okay? $5 billion. How the hell are we going to sell $5 billion worth of listed apartments in Manhattan? And how long is that going to take? I love it. I love it. I think, I think the, you know, the real estate market for the past few weeks has been really normal. Like, yeah. like not, yeah, you know, exactly. crazy buyers market, it's crazy sellers. Level, it's yeah. been very so level. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Like, and, and honestly, it makes transacting much more enjoyable. Yeah, it does. Yeah, like, absolutely. you're well, not of course it does. afraid that right. someone's going to sneak yeah. a deal or, yeah. exactly. or, or, or walk the, if you yeah, offend them. Yeah, but I think the, correct. But I think the point, the point of the question is with so much inventory out there, $5 billion dollars worth and i guess it stretches from studios to to grand departments on park avenue how do you focus the buyers on what is best for them when i mean i'm working with a couple right now that say well you know there's so much out there and i don't know if this is the right pick or the right educational process is going to take longer but Uh it'll be healthier for them in the long run though it it also depends too on how the that new inventory is priced Mm -hmm. i mean are, are these realistically priced apartments in which case I think there's the buyers out there who are. Who I would say the, mo- the, the, the story didn't they just gave the the law. They just number. gave the number, but if it's aspirational pricing, I then think no one's going for well, it. Well, I right think now. a lot of it is aspirational, and I think a lot of it is is right price. And, and you have know to, what that means, so. you know, in a more normalized market, you have to really get to know your client. It, it's much more of a relationship um, than it was in 2014 when there were bidding wars everywhere. I, and and to the point of inventory, I don't like bidding wars um, in markets. The the. The first time I ever met Nikki Field, I remember I was I was, was I was a baby. I, I know. Hi, Nikki. Still Sorry, I missed you. It's okay. I saw her that night. I the first person she it's asked she, about is where's Maddie Cohen. I saw her that night, and we had a good hug about it. It was fine. Um, but she, um, I was worried. Man. The, the first year I met her, I I remember I saw that she had a twenty million dollar listing, and I was like, whoa, that kind of blew my mind. And um, I said to her, how are you ever going to sell that in a co-op, nonetheless? And she was like, every Everything sells. Everything, every listing has a time. Mm-hmm. And so and every price. piece of that inventory will have a time. I think Matt's right. It's just based on pricing. And monthly right. costs always, and everything else. It's always- you know, the, the, the smart managers that we all work for will always tell you that it always, regardless of the marketplace, it always comes down to pricing. The problem in bad markets is the sellers cannot adopt that thinking that, mm-hmm. well, if I'm priced wrong or if I'm aspirationally priced, and ain't going to sell. No matter what you tell them, they're not going to think that. So price well, means lower, lower we th- In Manhattan, if you lower the price, you'll expand the buyer pool automatically. There's always, there's always somebody who will make a move on something if you 100%. lower the price. Yep. And do you think we, we were getting this $5 billion of new inventory because sellers are finally like, Oh crap! If I don't sell now, things I, I got to be realistic with this. I got to sell now. I think it's a result of one hundred percent. There's a lot of building <laughs> okay, permits that were filed in like 2015, and now the inventory is coming to market. That's, well, that's a lot so of there aren't a lot of new building Probably permits good. or new starts they're for not. it. The, it's very low. You know, no, 2019, 2020, 2021. Very, very so I think if population projections end up being what they have been for 2020, 2023. 
this inventory will be absorbed. And right. here's the other thing too, you know, the, and there'll be another shortage. If they like filed in 15 and broke ground, then they get a 421 tax abatement. The last building I worked in had that because they did it in 15. However, anybody filing building permits now post 2015, they're not coming out with tax abatement. So in addition to figuring out what the right price is for these new developments, these taxes better not be too high because, you know, everything's said and done. Everybody looks not only at the purchase price, but they look at the monthlies as well, especially when you're talking about first-time buyers. Anyway, we have to take a break. Uh, We will be right back. This is Good Morning New York live from New York. Don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back, and I'm here with my illustrious, fabulous, incredible (laughs) panel. And by the way, you know all their names. Stop, stop, tell me more. Look them up. They're great real estate agents, and they're here to help. This is what we do in our our business is we help people buy, and we help people sell. So... We are all here. Anyway, there were 12 contracts signed in Brooklyn in the luxury market last week, split between 11 townhouses and one condo. Interesting split. Uh, the property sold for about $40 million overall and went for an average price of roughly $3.3 million, according to the latest report from Stribling & Associates. The firm defines 
uh, buying luxury in Brooklyn, $2 million and up, a little lower than here in Manhattan. The transaction volume was on pace with the week before, but the dollar, dollar volume was higher. So is, is, is Brooklyn slowing down finally after, you know, really being booming and robust over Manhattan? Or are they kind of equaling Manhattan these days? Or is it just something special going on I think you have to split Brooklyn. Brooklyn in two at this point with Northern Brooklyn and Southern Brooklyn with the L train. I think that's, uh, just, I think that's mm. just giving people pause right now. Uh, but developers are offering incentives. So we'll see. Um, also, I don't know if they're posting all the contracts that are being signed. What a... Uh, what about uh, what about resale? I understand the, oh. the the concessions on the developer side and new developments and new builds, but what about on the resale side? Where where is the 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 movement? I think there, it's slower not? for condos in general because again, mm. like everywhere else, there's greater supply than demand. Yeah. But with the townhouses, again, as we've talked about before, because of the tax reform, the fact that you can pay less annual taxes for a townhome than you can for even a smaller size condo, no a condo lot charges. of people are yeah, exactly. A lot of people are rushing to the con- to the townhouse market. Okay, here, here my here are my two opinions on the Brooklyn market. I my um, the everybody, first, everybody, everybody have a pen and paper. Yeah, yeah, Daddy's yeah. got two separate opinions. I think I think Sean is right. I think you have to you have to split the Brooklyn market between two, and it's between the hot markets that have been hot for a while, the hot neighborhoods like Carroll Gardens and Cobble Hill and Brooklyn Heights, and then those have kind of leveled, in my opinion, or are even declining a little bit. And then the fringe neighborhoods like Bedsty and Bushwick and East Williamsburg and and Red Hook and whatnot, they're the ones who are still really hot. I mean, they're they're still very much transacting at you know asking prices or just below. Um, and then that's that one point. And then my other point is just I have an issue that Brooklyn's luxury market is two million and up. I think if you look at Manhattan, people usually say it's four to five million and up. You can't cut that in half for Brooklyn. I mean, Brooklyn is just as out of a market. Absolutely. It's and Absolutely. and a lot of it is priced higher than Manhattan. So we should talk to Stribling. How is Elizabeth Ann going to respond to this? I'm just <laughs> that's how I feel though. I, I, well, I would agree with that. So I, two million to you know it's just like the mansion you, tax. Matt. Everybody says I think <laughs> mansion tax. I heard a million dollars. Thank you, Matt. Developers are scaling back, though, specifically in the downtown Brooklyn area. Um, because scaling back. Yeah, the number of units being built and brought uh-huh. to market in the next few years, uh, just because they're kind of seeing these slowdown horizon. Chinese developers like Pacific Park area. Correct. Plus, if you see a lot of new projects coming up in, in Manhattan, you know, a lot of the development that's happened, and it's, it's coming to market now, plus all the new 5,000 inventory units that have hit the market in the third quarter, you know, Brooklyn was attractive for a reason, because it was priced lower. Now, there's just a flood of inventory, and, mm-hmm. you know, Brooklyn was hot. Now, you know, you can see people moving back to Manhattan, because that's also where you want to be. An interesting and phenomenon. Hot, and, it's, and it's the prices right now. An interesting phenomenon. All right. So back to controversy. Being a New York City <laughs> rental. Matt Cohen as he says that. <laughs> I'm the most non-confrontational person oh on earth. Being back <laughs> Confronted himself. Being a rental <laughs> broker <laughs> in New York City is a tough gig, but the job well, is getting harder, okay? It's now exactly one year since Street Easy began charging a daily $3 fee to post rental listings on its site. <sighs> brokers paying $3 per listing per day uh, on their site. A move that hit brokers in the pocketbook at a time when margins were already thin. The fee, which does not seem to have dissuaded brokers from using uh, StreetEasy, is just one of several stressors that New York City rental brokers are facing. 
How are we doing with this one year later? Now, I will tell you from my perspective, I really thought that agents, rental agents, sales agents who put up listing uh, rental listings would get so fed up with this and not want to continue to pay $3 fee per listing per day. But guess yeah. what? Well, you know, until the bill comes in. The marching band well, no. still is marching and we're still putting up $3 per day I, per I rental hold, listing. I mean, I, I, I've talked to a lot of people who hold their listings off of Zillow, Street Easy um, until, you know, for a few days just to kind of test the waters elsewhere. I also get a lot of inquiries from other places besides those sites right now. So really? when that happened, I think people noticed like the, especially in the lower price points, like the market kind of fractured That's in terms of people uh, <laughs> finding <laughs> stuff. Can I, the, the, no, my biggest frustration with rentals is that if you're doing a search, the, the majority of those listings are completely outdated. Yep. And Absolutely. not up, not not updated. So Absolutely. the three dollar the three dollar fee, as as much as I think it's ridiculous, it does make people kind of keep on top of their listings so that when it comes down, they have to that when it's when it's rented, they have to update it so that I mean oh. it hasn't really caught on. I think, but yeah, you better believe, it. especially I, if you I, have a lot of lists. I, I yeah. think I think the whole Zillow business model is very disingenuous. Uh, their stocks down fifty uh, percent since then. Yes, correct. And uh, I just I don't think it's a company that doesn't really post any profits. I, I don't see. But let's take it back to the agent level for one second. I mean, if you're thinking, you know, you're a rental agent, and and some of us sales, uh, you know, uh, agents have four and five listings on the rental side because we're we're right. we're renting kind of. Fifteen to twenty dollars a day, times a week, times a month. I mean, you're talking but about but all significant. Yeah, it's 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 like bucks a month minimum. Correct. But yeah, aren't does, a does lot Halstead of writing checks Excuse like it's me, unbelievable? Vince, does Halstead not cover? I was going to say, aren't all of our firms covering them back? Yeah, so does Core for the first month. They did in the very beginning. No, still do. No, Halstead still does. No, still does. The first thirty days, and then well, and I think that's and some listings forty-five. Yeah, and that's what kept agents leaving their listings up there because now it's not necessarily coming directly out I of our pockets. I think we should be able to well, take exactly. from our uh, revenue fees. So here, yeah, here is my question. How, how, in, how real estate in New York City, the biggest city in the U.S., the number one city for real estate, how we are hostage Amazing question. Uh, we, we need, we need How come we pay membership revenue that don't do exactly. nothing to us? Free enterprise, and my nobody friend. Nobody comes up with a website or some sort of a solution. Well, well so Phil uh, Horgan, I will I really. Well, well, so. for Hor- Phil Horgan well, so has wait. So I, I will. I don't know why we pay membership. Seriously, I, don't I will give it. Here. I will mm-hmm. give a shout out to what Avi just. I will give a shout out to Nyrac. NYRAC. We're going to talk about them coming yeah, up. Yeah. Well, so I was just about to say I will give a shout out to Nyrac. It's called NYRAC because they're trying to change it. Like they they feel that Rebney doesn't do enough for the agents, and like who knows what our dues go do and treat easy you know is bad towards rentals um so i, I give them credit and that sales. they're trying I mean, to solve yeah. i want to tell you something. contact somebody Rebney on their sales just so you guys insane. know that is new york residential agent council oh thank you i was just accepted to membership thank you <laughs> and it, they're great wait they had a great first event <laughs> it's, it's, yes. a, it's a it's a great it's a great ad, advocacy uh startup that hopefully will do something because we all have the same issues with Rebney. We all have the same issues with the Department of State from time to time. So We all have issues with Straight Easy. They're trying to cut us off. Well, there you go. Well, so, that, that's, you know, that's, that's If we're just going to give them more stage, they, they, we literally, are, our industry will just going to get... Well, we're going to devote a whole show on the night. I think at the end of January, they're coming on January 22nd. We're going to talk about just that NYRAC. What is it against, uh, Tracy? New York Residential Agent Council. There you go. And Heather McDonough and Kathy Taub started it. It's great. Correct. Yeah. 
Exactly. And I think Leonard is coming. And I think Leonard yeah, is, uh, is one what's of his the, name? De Niro, Raphael De Niro. Raphael De Niro, Andrew Anderson. All right. Anyway, we're out of time. That's it for today. That's the show. Thanks to my guest and panel. As always, always such a fun time. Shoot for the moon, everyone. Even if you miss, you'll land among the stars. And those who dare to fail miserably can achieve greatly. Thanks, John F. Kennedy, for that. Be kind to one another for all of us at Voice America all around the world. Thanks for joining us. And I will see you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you, Vance. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones. We'll be right back.